starts or actually uh, continue our series called That Ain't No What? Bull. That Ain't No Bull. And we've been looking at the parallel between what Paul describes as the full armor of God in a bull rider's tack or gear or armor. Okay? And we've looked at uh, actually four um, of the pieces of armor. And the first one was the belt of truth. Remember that? The belt of truth. I mean, the belt is what holds everything together. And thank God that some of you wear belts. Amen. Amen. Say no to crack. <laughs> but the belt is what holds everything together. It holds your pants up. It holds your shirt in. It holds everything together. And just like that, the truth, listen, the truth is what holds everything together. Right? And so the Bible teaches us, put on the belt of truth so that you can know the truth, which is Jesus. You can study the truth, which is his word. And you can walk in truth, which is the integrity and the character that he's called us to walk into. Then we have the vest of righteousness. Uh, this is my buddy Dan's vest. He wore uh, in the PBR. PBR rookie of the year. Dan here today. Dan's got a new baby named Dow. Um, so they may be at home uh, trying to sleep. Uh, but uh, this is the vest, and we talked about the vest of righteousness. And a vest for a bull rider protects all his vital organs, right? I mean, created by Cody Lambert is amazing, amazing protection for the bull rider. And it protects all vital organs. And for us, what it means, the vest of righteousness means that we put on righteousness. And you say, well, what is righteousness? It's being right with God. It's living a right life. So that your character is protected. It protected. Our, our vital organs in our spiritual walk are our character, our reputation, and Christ's reputation. And when we live in righteousness, guess what? We protect our reputation and we protect the reputation of the church and of Christ. And that's what we're to protect. And how do we do that? We live a righteous life. We live a good life. A, a life not only that's good, but a life that's according to the Word of God. Then we look at the boots of the gospel of peace. And I got uh, Dan's boots that he rode when he was a bull rider uh, right here. We looked at the boots of the gospel of peace. And what we learned about this was once we possess the peace that we can find in Jesus, we are to put our boots on, tie them on so they don't fall off, and go and share the gospel of peace with a lost and dying world, right? And so we got to put these on so that we can, we can reach people with the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus Christ. And then the last one we talked about was the barrel of faith, or the shield of faith. Remember Paul? In Paul's day, in the Bible, in Paul's day they had a shield, and they would soak it in, in water or oil, so that when the flaming arrows would come from the enemy, it would extinguish them when they shot them into that shield. Listen, the same is true for us. Like, and we parallel it to a barrel of a barrel man. What does he do? He uses the barrel to shield himself or to shield the bullfighters, or to shield that bull rider from the attack of the bull. And listen, when the devil attacks us, guess where we're supposed to run? We're supposed to run to our faith. We're supposed to run to our faith in Christ and, and protect us, or protect ourselves by soaking ourselves in the truths of his word so that we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the devil. Okay? So that's the wrap-up. Now we're going to look at the fifth piece of the full armor of God. So turn your Bibles, if you've got them, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. How's the, is it cool in here to you? Are you hot? Yeah. Who's, who's cold? 
My wife, raise your hand. She's cold, but it's 110. Bad circulation. I don't know what it is. Um, well, can I just tell you, if you didn't get this on Facebook, we're actually getting brand new air conditioning units in a couple weeks. Now, you can thank Jerry Knight for that because he paid for everything, all right? And, uh, and actually, I'll tell you this as well. We've got a brand new, or it's not brand new, but it's a slightly used portable building that we're going to put just to the south of the cafe here, and all the nursery kids are going to be able to be in air-conditioned, portable building by themselves so that we don't have to set up and tear down for our little children, okay? Uh, and Jerry and I is paying for the electricity to be ran in that building. So praise God. Yeah. I'll brag on the man. He's done, done a heck of a lot for us. Um, so uh, just, just know that, man, it's not always going to be hot. And who cares if it's hot? Can I just say that? If we have to sweat a little bit for the glory of God, I'm in. Uh, I'm going to step off that box, okay? I can just go and go and go. You guys got flies around me, and I'm fighting the flies, and it smells in here, but I love it. Can you, can you hear it? I love it. So if you're not into this, maybe this church isn't for you. But we'll sweat a little bit for the glory of the Lord. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Listen to it. It'll be on the screen. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then in verse 17, it says, Take up or take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you again. For the, for the joy that it is to be here. Lord, thank you that we get to come, and, and though it may be muggy in here, and thank you that we have a free place to worship you. Thank you that we live in a country where we can just come and worship the God that created this world. And we give you all the glory for that. And Lord, we thank you for your word and how it prepares us to fight a battle, to fight a war that all Christians are going to face if they live for you. And so, Lord, prepare us. Equip us, arm us, and protect us as we fight this battle. It's for your glory. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, the fifth piece, if you didn't get it, the fifth piece is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Do we have a picture of a helmet up there? Right there. If you didn't know it, bull riders are wearing helmets nowadays. Now, um, in verse 17 it says, take up. The helmet of salvation. And Paul's day in the writer, you may not know who Paul is. Paul actually wrote this book called Ephesians that we're reading out of. And he wrote it to the church in Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. 
Okay? And so he's writing, well, in Paul's day, listen, the head, and when they went to battle, the head was a major, um, major object of battle. Okay? I mean, you stick your head up, it's going to get taken off. And so they would wear helmets to fight their wars. Well, in bull riding, guess what? They wear helmets as well. Um, I, I don't know if you've realized it, but I'm a fan of Lane Cross. Okay? Anybody a fan of Lane Cross? Well, Lane, you know, obviously died back in the day, and, um, and he has a best friend, or had a best friend that was named Tough Hegeman. Um, many of you guys know who Tough is, maybe you don't. Um, Tough Hegeman uh, is one of the greatest bull riders uh, as well. And, uh, you know, Tough, actually there's a story about Tough, and he was uh, paired up with a bull called Bodacious. Anybody know the bull Bodacious? Remember the bull Bodacious? Well, if you've never seen the footage of uh, Tough's ride at the PPR Finals, on Bodacious, you don't really want to see it. Don't be a manwich when you watch this, okay? Anybody get that? Some of you guys got that. Well, once you find out what I, I'm going to tell you, you may not get it. But anyways, um, Tuff, gets, he draws Bodacious in the PBR finals. And he gets on the bull. And the bull, actually, if you didn't know anything about Bodacious, the bull had a lot of drop. In other words, the bull would come out of the chute and he would drop real tall like that. And then he would draw that cowboy up over the bull's front end, and then what would Bodacious do? He'd come straight back up with his head, and he would take the bull's, or take the, he'd take his head and he'd try to shove it in that bull rider's face. Well, that's exactly what happened to Tough Hedeman on that day. The bull came out, he was going around a few jumps, the bull did a big drop, and, and Tough's head hit the top of Bodacious's head. Bodacious's? Nobody else got that. Bodacious's head. Try to say that again. Anyways, he hit the top of Bodacious's head and it crushed every bone from about right here all the way across. It crushed every bone in his face. He had to go through six and a half hours of surgery and he has six titanium plates in his face. Now here's the amazing thing about that. When he said he said when I when I felt when I when I knew what had happened, I tried to bite down and all my teeth were missing. That's why you don't need a manwich when you watch this. Manwich, not good, doesn't look good. Anyways, my jokes aren't going off very well today. Heather, would you laugh? Courtesy laugh, please. So anyways, so he, 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 he loses his face in this bull ride. And here's the amazing thing about it. He walks out of the arena. How tough is that guy? Walks out of the arena. On, I mean, they're kind of helping him, but he walks out of the arena with those face just missing. Now, here's the thing, and here's another part of that story. Maybe you didn't hear this part. He goes home. He has all these surgeries. He meets his son after maybe a few weeks or after a few hours or whatever after the surgery. And his son looks at him, and he says, Dad. And his son was like five years old. Then his son's name is Lane after Lane Cross. And he looks at him, and he says, Dad, next time you draw that boy, you're just going to have to chicken out. <laughs> and Tuff looks at him, and he says, deal. Well, here's the other side of that story. The other side of the story is about six weeks later after he recovered, he, he draws bodacious at the NFR. And I don't know about you, but this is one of the things that will make a grown man cry, is this story. He draws bodacious, and he, instead of having to not get on to him, he actually has to get on him so that it counts as a, a ride that is just a no score. Well, he, he made the deal with his son Lane that he wouldn't ride the bull. So he gets on the bull, and when the bull, they open the chute, they just pull Tuff off, and Tuff has to give up, and forfeit, not forfeit, but not ride the bull. 
Now, if you're a true cowboy, you will realize how tough it is to do something like that. I mean, Tuff is one of the toughest, you know, toughest bull riders there ever was. And for him not to ride a stinking bull, he, he, he uses some expletives that, that would, you know, you don't want me to say. But he, he, he said, heck no, you would never catch me not riding a bull. And it, it was amazing to me because every time I watch it, and you can get on YouTube and watch it, every time I watch it, he gets off the bull and he tips his hat to the bull. And he honors that bull. Well, here's the truth. It, it, it could have, uh, while I admire a cowboy, and I do, I don't know why, but I admire a cowboy that doesn't wear a helmet when he's bull riding. I don't know what it is, I just think they're just tougher maybe. But I admire that. While I admire that, I believe that the helmet is one of the greatest additions to bull riding. And if Tuff would have had one on, he probably could have saved his face. And a lot of pain. Well, here's the truth for us as Christians. If we will put on the helmet of salvation, guess what? When the devil attacks, we will have a protected mind. When the devil attacks our mind, listen to this, when he attacks our courage, when he attacks our confidence, when he attacks our security in him, when he tries to crush us mentally, and I know some of you struggle mentally, and the devil defeats you mentally, when he tries to do that, when he tries to crush us spiritually, we have to have on the, the helmet of salvation. Now you say, well, what is it? What is the helmet of salvation? Well, here's the truth. You know what? Paul is talking to Christians here. Okay? You need to get this. He's talking to Christians here. And so he's not saying you have to be saved because these people were already saved that he's talking to. So what does he mean when he says, put on the helmet of salvation? Again, he's not talking about get saved. He's talking about protect your mind. And we're going to explain that in just a second. Here's the truth. If you as a Christian do not protect your mind, the devil will get you every time. He just does it. He does it to me. And you say, well, so how, how does the devil attack our minds as Christians? And how do we protect ourselves against those attacks? Well, here's, here's the truth that, that applies specifically to this scripture. I want you to listen to it. If you've, ever been, if you've been a Christian very long, you may have struggled with this. The attack is this. The devil has tried to get us to doubt our salvation. He's tried to get us to doubt our salvation. Um, anyone ever had a moment where you just thought, man, I don't know if I'm really truly saved. Anybody? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that and, and raising your hands. I mean, not everybody struggles with this. Not everybody gets attacked in this way. But a lot of Christians have been attacked in the way of, you know, am I truly saved? And in speaking from my own experience, these doubts usually are preceded by a bold statement. Let me explain. I uh, was in college. I was, uh, I was on a leadership team there. And I, and I was in a leadership team meeting. And I remember this like it was yesterday because it changed my life. I remember we were talking about how easy, or not how easy, but how we are to trust in God. And I remember looking at all my buddies who were on this leadership team with me. And I remember making this statement. I never doubt that God is real. I mean, and they were like, dude, I, don't, I, mean, I kind of just have a hard time trusting God. I have a hard time believing that, you know, sometimes that he's real. And I looked at the, all of them and I said, I never doubt that, that he's real. The dumbest statement I've ever made in my life. You know why? Because that set me up to be attacked by the devil. 
You know, I, I made this bold statement, like, I'll never struggle with that. And guess what? Moments, days came, came and, and guess what I did? The devil attacked me. He, he made me question my salvation. He made me question whether he was real or not. And he just destroyed me mentally. Now, here's, here's the cool thing about it. I had a friend. His name's Otis. And he was our, he was our, our leadership team director. Okay? And I went sobbing to him thinking, I, I just can't believe that God's real. After this, after I made this statement, and guess what? He showed me scripture after scripture about God being real and that the devil can't take away my salvation. Thank you, God, for men like Otis that I have in my life. And then he said, well, what happens to the, to the people that don't have a notice? Well, and this is the tag of a lot of new believers. You say, what's a new believer? That's a person that maybe just as lately accepted Christ as their Savior. That has just recently given their heart to Christ. And you say, what happens to them? Well, here's the truth. They, the devil attacks them. He, ta- he attacks their assurance. And they get destroyed by the devil. Mentally. I've seen it. I've seen a lot of people, this happens. And you know how he does it? He does it right after they sin. Maybe you've experienced this. You sin and the devil starts planning the outs like, you're a fake. You don't really know Christ. You're lost. You don't know what you're doing. You can't really believe this stuff. Look at how weak you are. I mean, God's not real. Look at the way you act. You can't be a Christian. And the devil just attacks us mentally. And here's the truth. And you may and you may think, well, maybe I'm not a Christian. And maybe you're not. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit revealing those things to you that you don't have in your life. And you need to seek advice. You need to pray about it and make sure that you truly are. And it's not the Holy Spirit telling you that you're not saved. But for a lot of Christians, guess what? The lies of the devil enter into our minds. And the devil creates doubt in our minds. And you say, well, okay. As a Christian, how do we keep this from happening? Here's number one. If you're writing this down, write this down. How do we keep the devil from attacking our minds? Number one is this. We stop and we should avoid making bold statements. (laughs) I mean, seriously, think about it. I, I have people come to me all the time. I'll never stop coming to church. I'll never turn my back on God. I'll never talk to my wife that way. I'll never not trust God. And guess what happens? In two weeks, they're like me, and they're struggling with me. You know why? Because they made a bold statement. And here's the truth. And, 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 and Peter is a great example of this. Peter is another uh, disciple that, that we talked about in the, in the Word of God. Peter's a great example of this. He was one of the most faithful disciples of Jesus. But many times, guess what? He was too self-confident. Not Christ-confident, but too self-confident. And let me explain that. He would make bold statements, and then the devil would attack him and defeat him. Let me give you an example. Jesus is uh, fixing to be arrested and crucified. And listen to this. It's the Last Supper in Matthew 26, uh, 31 through 35. It says this. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead into Galilee. Peter replied, listen to Peter, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. 
And listen to Peter. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. Did you hear his statements? I'll never fall away. I'll never disown you. And guess what happens? That same night, that, se- that next day, guess what? Before the rooster crowed, Peter denied him three times. You say, well, how do I protect myself from the, 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 the attacks of the devil? And you're not going to be able to, to protect yourself from all of them, but by eliminating or avoiding self-confident statements, like I'll never, you can eliminate a lot of the attacks. That's just, just, just for real. Think about it. I mean, listen to me. This, this is just real stuff. The devil preys on Christians who make bold statements about their faith without recognizing that all they can do or overcome is only done through Christ. You say, well, I mean, I thought we were supposed to boast about Christ. And you are. But listen, when you boast, you need to boast about your weakness and boast about history. Does that make sense? So when I make a statement like, I'll never cheat on my wife, Lord willing, I'll never cheat on my wife. By the grace of God, I'll never cheat on my wife. You know why? Because we're all susceptible to sin. And none of us are above it. You need to catch that. Maybe you're self-confident and you realize that you, and you think about yourself too much. You think, I'll never do that. No, we're all susceptible to sin. It's only by the grace of God that we can overcome it. Remember Paul? Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said this. But he said to me, my grace, and Jesus is talking, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Or in weakness. Therefore I will boast, and Paul's talking, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, guess what? Then I am strong. Want to avoid the tax mentally? Recognize that you're weak and then give it to the Lord. It's an amazing thing. The better way of stating your faith and boasting in the Lord, say, Lord willing, I'll never fail. By the grace of God, I'll never give in. Now, listen. In, in, in Luke chapter 22, the, this is the same story that Matthew just read, but listen to it. Luke chapter 22, Jesus is, is talking to Simon, and he's telling him that he's going to doubt him. But listen to what he says in chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. He says, Simon, Simon, which was Peter's name before Jesus changed his name. Simon, Simon, Satan, Satan has asked if he could sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now listen, you know what this is saying right here? Jesus is praying for Peter. And he knows that Peter's going to deny him, but what does he pray? He prays, you know what, Peter, you're going to deny me, but listen, when you deny me, turn back to me. Turn back to me and strengthen your brothers. You know what that shows me? Even when we doubt, even when the devil gets a victory, guess what? God is not through with us yet. Even though Peter found him three times, guess what? Peter became one of the greatest leaders of the church. And he used him in spite of his failure. You say, I doubt God all the time. I don't know. 
going, I don't trust Him God all the time. Listen, if you will trust in Him, even though you fall, you can get up. Peter did. Denied Him three times. Doubted, doubted everything. But, he, but, but Jesus took him back. Truth is, none of us are above sin. Peter's a great example. He walked with Jesus. You say, you know what? If I walked with Jesus, I would never. I never doubt he could do miracles. If I could just see him do a miracle, I'd never doubt it again. Really. The second way that we can keep from defeating, and I'm done it. Listen to this. The second way that we can keep from being defeated mentally and not be defeated by the doubts of the devil is we have to put on the helmet of salvation. You say again, but what does that mean? When we put on the helmet of salvation, you know what that means? That we cover our mind with the truth of God's Word. It's not necessarily talking about being saved because it's talking to Christians. Remember that. He's talking about covering your mind with the truth of God's Word. Again, we've got to realize that if, if the devil can get us to doubt our salvation, guess what? He can paralyze us and keep us from being effective for him. So we've got to have our helmet on. And here's the truth. If we don't know God's Word, guess what? We're unprotected. If we know God's word, then we can be protected and we can know the devil's lies and overcome his attack. And you say, well, well, what's the truth about our salvation? What's the truth about having security in Christ? From the scripture, we can know that our security is, is intact if we've truly trusted him. Some people think that you can lose your salvation. Some people think that the devil can take it away. Some people think that if you sin, you lose your salvation and you're lost. You know, and those questions come up. Can our sin cause us to lose our relationship with Christ? And I'll tell you from Scripture, this isn't a doctrine of a denomination. This isn't a tradition of a church. This is the truth of Scripture. That if you have truly trusted in Christ, you've truly confessed Him as your Lord, and you believe it in your heart, nothing can take that away. Nothing. Not even my sin, not even the devil, nothing can take it away. You know how I know it? Because the truth of God's word. And I've covered my mind so that when the devil attacks me and says, you're a sorry, good for nothing, I don't even know if you know Christ, and I can say, I know Christ because my security is in him. And his word, God tells me it. Look at John chapter 10. It says, Jesus is talking. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. No one can snatch us out of Jesus' hand. Nothing can snatch us. It's a promise. Another scripture, John chapter 6, listen. Jesus is speaking. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall never lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's 
will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. You know what God's will is? That once we believe in His Son, we are secure forever, and we will receive eternal life. And you say, well, Bo, what's that mean? You might be thinking, well, Bo, you know what? That, you know what? That, that, that gives people a false assurance that once they get their fire insurance and they confess Jesus as Lord and they're not going to hell, that they can go and live however they want. And a lot of people do that. And I would doubt their salvation. You say, you can't, you can't know, and I can't. But listen, if you can confess and say a, a simple prayer and then go out and live contrary to the Word of God as much as you know it, because here's the truth about that. A lot of people don't know how to live for Christ. Remember that. When you're a, a, you want to be a Pharisee and throw it in somebody's face that they shouldn't live like that because they're a Christian now, guess what? They don't know how to live like a Christian. And the church has been pretty sorry at teaching them how to live like a Christian. So don't judge them. Help them. But here's the truth. If you can say, oh, I know Christ, and now I can go and live. I can booze it up. I can drink all I want. I can sleep with as many women as I want. I can do as much drugs as I want. I can cuss like a sailor. And God is not going to leave me. If you have that attitude, you may want to check your salvation. You know what true repentance means? Repentance means we turn from our sin and we turn to God. You know what confessing Him as Lord means? We, it means that we make Him the Lord of our life. You know what that means? That means that we don't call the shots anymore. If He's the Lord of our life, He calls the shots. Do we fail? Absolutely. Am I a sinner still? Absolutely. But he still gets to call the shots. <laughs> Listen, Romans 8, 28. This, this, this scripture bleeds security. Listen to this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, take this with you. Those of you that may have doubts about your salvation, if you truly confess Him as Lord and you believe that in your heart, guess what? Security is a fact for you, not a feeling. It's a fact. Trust in it. Trust in His Word. Cover your mind with His Word. Memorize Romans 8 so that when the devil attacks, you can go, nope. I am nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. No one can snatch me away. That's the truth of God's Word. And so, in closing, by putting on the helmet of salvation and not making bold statements of self-confidence like I'll never, and by putting on the truth of God's Word and covering our minds with it, we can recognize the devil's attacks and we can overcome through the promises of Christ. Let's pray together. How many of you guys that are here today would say, you know what, Bo? The devil attacks my mind. He gets my mind 
working all the time. How many of you guys would raise your hand and say, that's me? Thank you, all across the room. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you. You know, again, a lot of times it's our own doing that he does that. By you making some bold statements, it causes that attack. And so again, boast in the Lord, but don't boast in yourself. You, you know, try to eliminate the word never from your vocabulary. And cover your mind with the truth. Some of you guys try to fight the devil, and you don't ever read the word. You don't even know any of the scriptures. You don't study it. You don't come to, 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 to church ready to hear. And, 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 and you don't come prepared. You don't come to the Bible studies on Wednesday nights. And guess what? The, more, the less you cover your mind, the more you are unprotected. Here's what we've done. And you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to open your eyes. Then here's what our church has done. And, and we've only got a few of these, but we have bought a bunch of Bibles. And you say, well, I read the Bible and I don't understand it. There's no, there's no more excuses. We have Bibles that you can understand. You say, well, I don't have a Bible that, that, that has the footnotes that explains the verses. We've got them. We've got them. If you'll come to me after church or come to my wife, we will, we will see about getting you a Bible. If you can't afford it, we'll pay for it for you. You say, my children don't understand the Word of God. We bought children's Bibles. You say, my teenagers don't understand the Word of God. We bought a, a, a student's Bible. So there's no excuse. Maybe the, the doubts that you have in your mind are because you don't know Christ. And maybe those, those, those convictions or those leadings that you feel in your heart, maybe those aren't from the devil, but they're from the Holy Spirit saying, come, come to me. I don't know you. I've never known you personally. I want to know you. And it's the Holy Spirit saying, come, give me your heart. Trust in me. Trust in, in your Savior. Trust in Christ so that you can overcome the devil's attacks. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you've never truly accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Listen, the Bible teaches us that if we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of, from all unrighteousness. And so maybe in your seat right there, you just need to say to the Lord, okay, Lord, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Maybe in, that, in your seat right now you say, okay, I finally get it. I finally realize that I'm not a Christian. And I need to accept Jesus into my life so that I can be protected. I'm, I'm totally, I'm naked before the devil. I have no armor on because I don't know Christ. Listen, if that's you, even in, even in your seat right there, you can just say, okay, Lord, I give you my heart. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. I know that you want to give me eternal life, and I confess you as my Lord. There's a second part to, to, the, to the deal here. The Bible teaches us that we've got to confess Him as our Lord, but, but more important than that, we've got to believe it in our heart. It's not just lip service. 
It's not just, again, another bold statement that we make that we don't mean. It's about truly allowing him to change our heart and to come and live inside of us and be the Lord of our life. So maybe you just need to say, okay, I confess you as my Lord, and I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead. Save me. Everybody's head bowed, everybody's eyes closed. How many of you guys would say, oh, I just prayed that prayer for the first time? The first time in my life. Thank you, son. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else that would say, you know what, I prayed it for the first time in my life. Thank you. Anybody else? For the first time in my life, I've truly given Christ my heart. Thank you. Anybody else? Listen, for those of you, nobody's looking around. We don't embarrass anybody or call anybody to the front. For those of you that just raised your hand, get this. Because you've truly trusted in Christ and you've made Him the Lord of your life, the devil hates you. Before you didn't know Christ, and now you're a threat to the devil. So guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to attack you. You say, great. Why did I accept Christ? Listen, your choice to accept Christ and his choice of accepting you and calling you is the greatest decision you'll ever make. And it's worth every battle that you have to face. But you will face them. And here's the truth. You need to be protected. You say, well, Bo, how do I do that? You come to church, you get a Bible, you read the Bible, you study the Bible, you live for Christ, you fellowship with other Christians, you get involved, you start serving, so that you can be protected. You say, well, how do I get connected? You fill out an orange sheet. It's that simple. It's not hard. We're not going to make fun of you. We're not going to do anything. You just fill out an orange sheet on the table. Right by the doors, you fill it out, throw it in the offering bucket, and we will contact you. And we will follow up and equip you and walk alongside of you and fight this battle that the devil brings every day against us. We will fight it together. So fill out that orange sheet and let us help you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for our church. I thank you that you have given us all the tools, all the pieces of the armor that we need to be protected. Now help us to put them on. The Bible teaches us it's not if the devil will attack, it's when. And so we've got to have the armor on before he attacks. And so help us to put that armor on. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I pray your protection on this church. I pray your blessing on this church. And I thank you for all of those that have accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior for the first time today. Praise be to God. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being here.